Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. I don't know why I'm snapping my fingers. Oh, I know why. Because Sinusoid makes me snap my fingers. Yeah, they're a real snappy brand. They make snappy cables. Uh, if you don't know what you want. And I'm not saying they snap. They've got a 100-year guarantee. Oh my they're god, They're going to last forever. <laughs> if you don't know what you want, head on over. Use the uh, build-your-own-cable section of the site. They've got speaker cables. They've got regular instrument cables. They've got patch cables. Um... They've pretty much got everything you want. Yeah. If it's a guitar cable or they related got, to a guitar cable. I hear they have all the guitar cable products you could ever dream of. I think they have of. mic cables, too. They have all the uh, the sinus-related products you could ever dream of, too, is what I've heard. I don't think that's accurate. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I heard, anyways, from mm. a different podcast. So what do they know, I guess? All right. But yeah, sinusoid cables. I love them. You love them. We're all going to love them. You can get them all sorts of colors, all sorts of different uh, different cable types, all kinds of different uh, plug types. You can put one kind of plug on one side and the other kind of plug on the other. Yep. Head on over to sinusoid.com today. Hola, Steve. No. <laughs> and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you're Steve. I am Steve. Now we got introductions out of the way. We're ready to do another episode of our show here, Steve. Yeah, what's new, Ryan? What's new? I don't think I've got anything new. I want to talk about the computer that I hopefully will have bought before this episode. Your future computer? My future... Well, it's a past computer at the airing of this episode. Hopefully. But it's a future computer at the recording of this episode, also hopefully. But then that's why I kind of don't want to talk about it. Well, I I just don't know what to do with this information, Steve. Yeah. Just a thought that I had. Okay, Steve. Hey, had a I just hit about 10, a future computer. I just I just hit ten thousand steps. Congratulations, Good for you, Steve. Good for me. I haven't. I don't know. I'm sitting here, but whatever. Um, you're pacing in your seat, is what you're doing. You got your little Fitbit there, burning your calories, trying to get your girlish figure back. Yeah, dude. Yeah, uh, dude. Got to get that girl I just figure. Scaled in at work today at 102 kgs. So I don't know what that, that means. Oh, kilograms. Yeah. I was like, what's a kig? <laughs> when you use a scale at work, is that like a bathroom scale or is that like a science scale? No, it's a science scale. And you're just like, I, this has a, this can handle me. I'll just climb up here on this oh, table. Oh, yeah, no, we got a, we have a scale, one of the scales at work. Um, I think the limit on it is four or 500 kilograms. So did you take all your clothes off at work, Steve? No, no. <laughs> so, I mean, I was wearing shoes and stuff, but. Uh, that stuff only yeah. weighs like it was after lunch too. You know, clothes and shoes and underwear that that stuff only weighs like twenty or thirty pounds. I mean that's right. that's what I figure when I step on the scale. You mean ten to you mean uh, like eight to eight to fourteen kilograms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This you know it's only like it only makes up a good like eighty percent of your weight. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. I just I just write that right off the top of the number there. I'm like, oh, I'm, Don't even count I'm way below my BMI. I'm super skinny. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> should we get should we get into our normal content here instead we of should. just being a bunch of weirdos well, I, on a guitar well, how, show? How do we talk? How, what what what, huh? what do we talk about? Eh. This is a bike show, right? Uh. Steve, what's your favorite bicycle? I don't own a bicycle. Steve, how can you be a host on a bicycle podcast if you don't even own a bicycle? I don't. I want to buy a bicycle, but I'm cheap. I've been trying to find the right deal on Craigslist. Yeah. Are you trying to find a good bike or just a good or just a bike that runs for cheap? Both. You want it to be good and cheap. I feel, feel like I can get like a decent brand for I don't except I don't know what a decent brand is. Yeah, it's like we're not we actually don't know about bikes. Um, I have two bikes for myself. Do you have a, what, a beach cruiser and a mountain bike? Basically, yeah, exactly. Not basically, exactly. Yeah. Um, That's I want, exactly what I have, Steve. I'm trying to decide if I want a mountain bike or a hybrid. Um, I say go hybrid, man. They're wh- better for the environment. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys, and I, I actually know a guy who has told me that if he gets a new bike, he will give me his bike. 
but I don't know how reliable that is. But his bike is has he, your question one. Is he planning on getting a new bike? <laughs> he says he's gonna he wants to buy a new bikes okay. because he, he's been using a bike for his primary daily transportation. So he's biking like twenty to thirty miles a day, mm. and his bike currently has like fat off road tires on it. No, which is kind of an interesting like those choice. really fat ones, not super fat, but definitely thicker than even like a standard mountain bike gotcha. tire. Um, like I've seen those ones where like the tire is huge, like it's meant to be on sand or something like that. Like the balloon, right? Tires. They're not quite like that big. Um, and I don't know, I don't, he's like, oh, I'll just give it to you. And the thing is, I've known the guy so long that I feel like. The right thing to do would be like, I'm not going to let you give me a bike. Like, give him a six pack or something. No, nah, buy him a pizza. He's a, I don't buying him a pizza would probably be a, a a square deal. I don't think I could give him a six pack. Yeah. Oh, I think something new in my gear life. I've been trying to get rid of these carbon speakers. <laughs> yeah. And they've just been sitting around. No one's taking no one's taking any bites on Craigslist. I've and I have it up as like make me an offer. I'm thinking about doing, and there's, I'm going to wait a little while. There was a guy on uh, the 60 cycle home junkyard who was like, I oh, want to get back from my trip. Maybe I'll come and pick him up. So hold on to him for that guy. Is he a local guy? Uh, he's up in uh, uh shoot. I heard like Fallbrook or something like that. Huh. Um, so if he, that falls through, I think I'm going to put him back on Craigslist and be like first person to bring me a pepperoni pizza from a place better than Papa John's gets these. Isn't that every place? Yeah. Well, that, that excludes like Papa John's Domino's little Caesars. I would say Domino's is better than Papa John's. Okay. Okay. Better than, better than Domino's. Okay. That includes pizza so, hut. Uh, yeah. So basically pizza hut or any non, a Costco non pizza would chain. be fantastic. Costco pizza would be, uh, and for both large, for both. large pepperoni. Sure. So basically, like you're saying, you would. I was actually thinking, like, bring me a pepperoni pizza and a bottle of brown liquor. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you get my cabs, and I get a dad vacation. <laughs> Let me know when that happens. We'll have a deck party. <laughs> deck party, <laughs> yes. You and me, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, right. the, whoever brings the pizza and the brown liquor, they can hang out too. I yeah. don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I. Uh, I can't. I'm surprised that you haven't been able to move those for at the I, price of make me an offer. Yeah. And all I can think is that maybe people think that you want like make me an offer means I think they're worth this like two hundred dollars. So the first person to you know like a reserve not met situation. Yeah. But here's the thing: I had them up for a hundred bucks for both. Yeah. And got no bites. I don't know, dude. Yeah, I just. You know, I kind of want to go- want him gone, but I also kind of want a pizza and a bottle of brown liquor. <laughs> How, does it have need to be a standard bottle or like a like a, a bottle, like anything that's preferably a, glass, that's, anything that's glass, so like even a fifth? Yeah, you'd sell. So you're talking about like thirty dollars for both? Yeah, yeah. All right, bring me some food and a good time, and you can take them. You know, gosh. <laughs> You should just put that as the as a food in a good time. Pizza in a good time. Leave the good time open-ended. Yeah. Come get my big black boxes. Oh, man. You're getting real laughy that all of a was, sudden. You're not even that drinking was a gross thing to say. I'm pretty slap happy. I've had a long day. Had a long it's week. Because you're not used to to working outside of your office. I know, I know. I was on my feet and stuff and oh, doing poor, real work. Poor Ryan. I know. All right. Um, let's get into this episode. Yeah, man. didn't you say that already? Yeah, but we didn't do it, is the problem. All right, this was sent in by you. I found this on our own Craigslist. It's called Three Stand Microphone. Yep. The title of the ad is Special Stand for Three Microphones. $45 in San Diego. Special stand for three microphones. Make different positions. Microphone as you need for three person at one time. Chrome stand? Easy for install? It's supposed to be chrome stand. So the, the, um, the description got a little wonky on this thing. I'm, so, I'm, I'm reading this as a guy like had has big old fat thumbs like me and has trouble on his smartphone. Right. But... Uh, 
still, this thing's kind of a disaster. This like, is it's functional, but it's kind of a disaster, right? This is up in Del Mar. That's this weird. Is, They've taken a regular microphone stand. Yes, a chrome stand. And they've put a gooseneck onto the the actual part of the mic stand. Yes. And then they've used like C clamps on the sides. No, though I think those are just booms. Those are just those they're are like d- they're like boom clamps. Yeah, they're boom clamps. They're boom they're clamps. standard boom clamps. They're standard boom clamps uh to attach two more microphone stands sticking out of the side of this thing. The problem is I look at this and like, those don't look terribly adjustable to me. They look like they just stick out at 45 degree angles. They do. I mean, you can angle them a little bit, but I mean, this is, this is a hot mess, right? Who needs this? Nobody needs this. This is a situation where you got a guitar player, a lead singer and a bass player and the guitar player and the bass player are both on like backup vocals. And you got one part of this, of this, of the song, that they they only sing one line and you want them to like come together like this is a right. kiss scenario this is a kiss cover band scenario <sighs> to me it looks like someone had a big bag full of like scrap microphone stand parts and they're like ah <laughs> what, what can I put together well, I got a stand here I got a gooseneck I got two stands missing their bases but I've got these uh, boom clamps here I'll just get these uh, yeah the screw it all oh look at that. It's a stand that holds three microphones. I'll sell this on Craigslist and get my 45 bucks out of it. Like, this is ridiculous. My other thought was like, because like think of like a church scenario. There's yeah. some pastors who have like an issue with like extra equipment being on stage, like after the worship team is done. And they're like, ah, oh, can you strike the stage a little bit? Oh, do we need all these, you know, mic stands? Do we need all these cables laying everywhere? It's like, well, yeah, well, we kind of do if you want us to play music. Like, that's kind of the point. Uh, but I could see like a, like a out-of-touch senior pastor being like, well, maybe we could consolidate all these microphone stands down to one microphone stand and just combine them all. And so I just have to grab one stand to move it off stage before I start doing my, uh, my sermon. I mean, this could work at, at my church. We usually only have three vocals. Yeah, they've just got to be the exact correct height yeah. <laughs> to go with the stand. <laughs> it would be real. It would actually be kind of comical because oh, it would be hilarious. Because two of our two of our vocal, like our two male vocalists, one of them is like I don't know six one six two. The other one's probably a five nine five. You wouldn't 10. even want to do this though, because they'd the, be standing too close together. The, and then the our our typical normal female singer, she can't be more than like five three. <laughs> Put her in the middle of these two like all six foot, almost six foot, six foot plus dudes. Well, it looks like this might actually work for that situation. But like I said, the people would be way too close together. The the first moment I saw this, it yeah. caught my imagination for a second a hot second it was like oh, could oh I, my god could i use this to set up two mics on two like a mic on each amp like having amps next to each other right and then i i looked at it for more than like 10 seconds and i was like this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my i life. mean you could i could it would take a lot of frustrated adjusting with this thing uh, if you ignored the gooseneck, I don't think it would really take that much work. I think it would. Is it worth it? I would say no. But is it doable? I mean, all you got to do is change the angle so they're like down and like adjust them on the center rod. But you're you're forgetting about you're you're adjusting for two axes. There's a third axis there, and that would require me to move the amps in that axis. You, could, you can't adjust the mic cape, mic in that access. Sure. But I'm assuming this is like a standard recording scenario where your amps are in fixed locations. Yeah, it's doable, but it's still... It's, I'm not saying it's not it's dumb. So, it's so stupid. It's way overkill for a situation that basically I mean, is why like, not just oh, get a, I have an extra stand Why not here. just get a Sennheiser E609 and not even buy a stand? don't even know what that is that's the little square guitar microphone oh you just hang it over the you top just hang yeah, over yeah. that's designed to be hung yeah i don't know i had a i had a recording nightmare this last week where um, were you recording because i do this uh, I oh, that's do the right. sermon editing yeah and halfway through this we had a guest speaker and halfway through the sermon he got like tangled up in the lav 
uh-huh. and it like pulled off oh, and great. he couldn't like get it clipped back on. So he just took the whole thing off, threw it on the ground. So I had 33 minutes of perfect audio. And then just a big thud. A big thud. And then nothing. Five minutes of, of maybe salvageable audio. Yeah. Uh, I did my best to salvage it. I basically I t- went in and I bumped the gain up like twenty decibels, and then EQ'd it to like make it not so boomy. Uh huh. And then after like five or so minutes of that, it just disappears because I, I think he walked off stage. <laughs> like to he like was walking around the, or off stage or something. Great. I was just like, well, great. And I went up to the the pastor who uh is like working helping with the podcasting stuff i was like yeah so uh i'm gonna try to salvage this stuff but i don't really feel too great about what the final product's gonna be yeah he's like well i guess we'll see what he's like he's like yeah yeah i saw (laughs) we'll see well do your best yeah we'll see what happens it's the longest i've ever spent editing a, a sermon there was a couple episodes of this show yeah. where one of our mics wasn't working. Oh, and this I had, was a long time ago. I had to work magic, like separating different EQs out yeah. so that one, like the very slight signal that I got of the other one of us across the room getting into the only working mic right. would be boosted. Right. And the person with the working mic would be pulled down and somehow got a listenable episode out of it. Yeah, that one wasn't too bad. It was it was a nightmare. To I remember. Edit, yeah. All but, right, let's get to our topic. So earlier, you know, like I guess I gotta say like a week and a half ago or something like that, uh, a member of the Facebook group, Daniel Police. Is that how you say his I, last I name? I pronounce it police. Poli- I Palese? Palese? I don't know. I've said police. Daniel Palese. Uh he made a post that a friend of his had texted him and said, hey, I'm working on this movie or this show that's going to be about this girl band in the year 2037. Is that what it is? I was tra- having trouble parsing out the whole the story. I thought he was saying that he ran into a girl. No, no, it's for like a, it's for like a, like a TV or movie production or gotcha. something like that. So I'm imagining like a Disney made-for-TV movie right. sort of situation. Maybe in it won't be. Year. Maybe it'll be like a really rad, like... Like a you know futuristic tank movie girl. tank girl, uh, like a, a Blade Runner movie, like maybe this like is this for really, Blade Runner too. Maybe it's for Blade Runner too. Who knows? Um, so the 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 question in the text was, I'm going over to the Gibson warehouse and they're just gonna let me pick something for product placement. Yeah, what should I get? Um, so. That that thread had a lot of people making a lot of suggestions. I want to ignore that part of it because obviously, you know, you need to know more about the movie or show to I make think, that decision. Uh, I'm going to say that the answer is modern. The modern would be pretty freaking sweet. Like that is future, no matter what. I mean, my thought was like it really depends on what kind of future we're talking about. Like, is this post-apocalyptic? Is it a gritty future? Is right. it like a Retro, retro futurist, like sparkly clean future, you know. Um, those are big questions. I think the modern fits all of those scenarios. If you put if you put a nice relic on it, it'll fit the Mad Max look for sure. I think that would look cool. Um, but I think if it was white on white, it would fit the the retro futurist scenario. But Cedric Noah Baus, Baus, Boaz, Boaz asks wow i really mangled that one if it's boas uh asks in regarding that post he says what do you think music will sound like in 2037 and he says referencing uh daniel palese's post um uh, so, so what so do you think 37 is only 20 years from now it really isn't that far away and since we pretty much go in cycles um, i mean this is a bicycle podcast oh my gosh uh, I mean, my assumption would be that in 2037, let's see, right now we're reappropriating the 80s. So well, we've been reappropriating the 80s for a while, but we've also been reappropriating the 90s, too. So it's 20 years from now. So we're probably going to be in another cycle. Of, well, I mean, we'll be... 
In 20 years, we'll be reappropriating right now, which will mean that we'll be reappropriating the 80s and 90s. Do we really have to do this again? It's just a cycle. I don't believe in Never that. Ending. I don't believe in that. It's just a cycle thing because if that was true, where have been the resurgences of you know like flapper music? Well, we only do it for like so. Like we only do so many cycles. It's a, it's a thing because we've run out of music. I just can't see neoclassical be, becoming a huge thing. It was never a huge thing. But that's what I'm saying. Like the, not everything gets cycled. Like not every the, no only pop the get, set, only the, the pop pop recorded the sixties seventies eighties and nineties can't be repeated over and over and over again forever. Like you think it's a cycle, but it's just a cycle of our recent memory. Like I, stuff is going to get referenced, but I there, eventually there's going to be like new I believe stuff. that this can be be our reality. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I believe in us, Ryan. I mean. When I think about music, I music has been so polished for a while, for yeah. a long time, and it's been such a long time since we had a legitimate like a punk rock style counterculture mm-hmm. like music scene show up where like people are meeting places where that are dangerous or unheard of to experience music that's way outside of the norm, like right. Like, well, there's th- nothing like that that I can think of right now. We're like, oh man, that's like the underground. Like, we, is there an underground scene right now where there's music that's just so weird that people just can't hang with it? Like, I don't know about it. Maybe I, it's because I'm old. I think that there is a less un- one. I don't, any scene right now that's underground is underground by choice. Sure. Um, so I'll, well, there's always been there's a difference between underground and undesirable. I'll say that because there's there's always been forms of music that are being made in a basement somewhere, and there's only three people who listen to it, and it's just sure, because it's, sure. it's you can't no, sell that's it. undesirable. That's undesirable. Uh, but what I'm saying is like there's underground is like wow, this is like really cool. This is like our scene. I hope it doesn't get big because this is like right. my so family. If, if that's if that exists, like it's because they're those people are choosing yeah. that route. So today, um, so there's a so today I, I learned about an artist called that goes by the name of Poppy or that that, oh, that Poppy. That video girl. She's like a video girl. And there's another one that's like her name's Melanie Martinez, that they just make it's pop music. But I only listened to one. I only listened to like half of a track of Poppy, and it's just like it's so bubblegum that it's like painfully bubblegum. Right, right. It's not like Britney Spears bubblegum where you're like, okay, I get it. It's like it's these. I mean, the whole. I guess the thing that's hard and maybe it's the bubble I exist in is is that she's she. I was reading some quotes from her, and she was just saying like, well, it's like. I'm using a lot of like I have a lot of like K-pop and J-pop influences, right? Um, so I mean, I to tie in, I mean, I think as we have culture collision, that is mm. something that could happen. Is a Western music, Western me like American British pop music getting more? k-pop and j-pop influence where well also don't forget where it about becomes it goes from being like literally at work at work i have i've been saying literally a lot i have co-workers who listen to k-pop and j-pop at work uh-huh and because that's where my co-workers would listen to music i don't know <laughs> when they were at work and uh i walked into their office the other day and they're listening to a song that's about ice cream Nice. It's like I love, I ice, love cream. ice cream and like naming all of these ice cream flavors. I'm like, I'm like, is this really like? And it's not like ironic. It's basically a Yelp song. Yeah, it's, it's a not, Yelp review of ice cream. It's not even like an American. All right, so like to put it out there, um, Ariana Grande has had this single that came out in 2016, and the whole thing is like they're riding on bikes, and um. And uh, while the music video is about them riding on bikes, the song is about a girl who can't, 
All of her friends say that he's a bad influence, but she won't leave him because he she or he bones her so hard that it's painful for her to walk the next day. Oh my gosh. And that's what she's into. And but this is like music. I won't say it's music for like kids, but that's who it's like. Oh, she's like high schoolers. Yeah, high schoolers are like, oh yeah, that's what I want. I want a guy who's gonna like drill me so hard that the next day, like, it's gonna hurt for me to walk around. Like that's the that's ultimately what you the song's know, about. Like a bicycle so, metaphor. So so what I'm saying, no, yeah, that's right. Like you know, if you go on like a 50 mile bike ride, the next day it hurts to walk around. Uh huh. Um, but like these. K-pop and J-pop songs when they're singing about like ice cream, that's what they're actually right. singing There's about. There's no symbolism there. Yeah. It's not a euphemism. It's not like I want candy. Yeah. It's like no, I legitimately really enjoy ice cream. Yeah. Like no, I want can- like seriously like buy me a bucket of red vines. Yeah. Here are the flavors of ice cream that I enjoy. So so music in in 2037 I feel like that sort of like weird ultra like ultra clean i guess pop music i could see that becoming like more mainstream i could see what you're going with as far as like uh these as globalization increases and we have these other countries that are becoming uh more modern in the way that we consider ourselves modern i suppose which is a whole other conversation for a podcast more intelligent than our own um but we have countries like China that have, are going through like huge changes, yeah, and, and they, like a huge consumerist culture is growing there, yeah. And I personally, I've I played with this band, and I I follow them on Facebook, and we're friends on Facebook. But there's this band that uh, they're expatriates in China, hmm. and they're like, hey, you guys got to come to China sometime. It's the scene is great. We've never played a show. That wasn't packed. Right. And these guys are super weird. Like their music's super weird. Right. China loves. Because they're just hungry for anything that claims to be from the West. China is starving for this, you know, this kind of like rock and roll energy. I'm really looking forward to seeing. <laughs> you really ge- looking forward to moving to China? No, I'm looking forward to seeing the generation of Chinese people who take whatever's going on over there now and it's like their British invasion and right. they and they take that and they twist it to reflect their own like experiences or their own culture and come up with you know like basically their own punk rock version of what they've been exposed to in their recent you know open understanding of you know, outside music. Well, and I mean, that's the, I guess that's the flip side of what makes this question difficult is you say, well, it's 20 years away and you want to future cast this like incredible future because you think, you know, 2037 sounds like it's so far away. But the reality is that 20 years ago was 1997. Who are the major acts of 1997? I don't know. Green Day. Blink-182 was about to break out. Metallica. Metallica. It's 2017. Who put out albums in the last six months? Green, Green Day. Day. Blink-182. Blink-182 reunited and put out an album? Metallica. Metallica. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, in, in 20 years, we're going to have the... Uh, and every couple of years, the Foo Fighters put something out. <laughs> in, in 20 years, we're going to have the uh, 23rd anniversary episode of 60 Cycle Hum, the oh guitar my podcast. Gosh, kill me. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to be talking about... I love you, Steve. I gonna, hope we don't do this for 23 years. We're going to be talking about the 21 Pilots reunion show. Oh, gosh. I'm going to be talking about how great Mumford and Sons used to be. Yeah. Oh, man. Even though I hate them now. Mumford and Sons, they were so much better in, in 2015. You'll, all, you know, you'll never have another musical performance that equals the, the banjo work and the Mumford and Sons first CD that I ever... <laughs> was, you know, that, you know, when we were kids, we were talking about classic rock. That's the real classics right there. <laughs> so, so, so I don't know. I, I think... I think it's. I feel like it's cynical to say that music is in like stuck in a cycle, because I hear stuff that I'm like, this is kind of interesting, but it still seems genre related. And with so many artists, it's like you hear one song, and it's like until you hear the body of work, you don't really know is this song, is this artist unique, or is just yeah. this one song like a cool idea. Um, there's a song on the radio right now. I, I don't know what the name of the artist is, but 
Um, it's this the song title. I believe the song title is called "My Name Is Human." Okay. Um, what's the what's the genre? What's the it, what station is it? it? They play on Rock 105. Oh, okay. Then I haven't. Heard so it. it's basically like it's a it's a hard rock, modern rock right, kind of a thing. Right. And so there are elements of that song where I'm like, oh, this is just like this modern rock thing. But then I'm surprised you heard the song on Rock 105 when it's just such. It's usually just a, a geology centered radio station, like just about rocks. It's um, strange to me that you heard a song on there. So. I'll talk radio all about geology. Uh, so I heard the song on there, and part of me is like, just wants to dismiss it as like, just this stupid hard rock song. But then there are different elements in there. Like there are elements where I'm like, oh, this this is like they took this from the Deftones. And right. There's elements in there where I'm like, well, he's not really like singing this part. It's kind of like, it's kind of like semi wrapped. Yeah. So you start seeing these ideas, and I don't know if that makes it good or bad, but it it makes it like it actually makes it super catchy because like I'm seeing all of these little these little for lack of a better word memes musical motifs right 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 that are like okay like this part of the song like appeals to the side of me that like that likes the Deftones. This part of the song appeals to the side of me that like doesn't want to like 21 pilots but can't get like the infectious like pop hook yeah. of a 21 pilot song out of my head um and and so i feel like that's as production becomes the way it is where really like anyone with an iMac can produce an, a a decent album um you're going to start seeing like this democratization of ideas where p- you have these people who are just taking a bunch of different genres and smashing them together and putting out things that are actually cohesive. Yeah. I think my biggest question and the thing I hope for, for in 20 years for music is that music will be, the music will feel popular and important again, because right. it doesn't feel terribly important these days. Right now. Like, it, like there's always going to be people who love music and are dedicated to music, but there, there were so many points in history in my early life and maybe it was just because i was a teenager and that was my perception but it just felt like music was so much more important culturally i think i think we're gonna get i think we're gonna have that yeah i hope so that's my hope without making this ultra political you look at musical cycles um as they relate to political as they as they relate to political cycles and i think we're in a time where uh, you're gonna start seeing one a lot of pe- a lot of cynical music uh, that takes off, and a lot of a lot of just music that like I mean, Rage Against the Machine came out before before the Bush presidency, and yes. they were big before the Bush presidency, but they got huge. Yeah. During like once the war on terrorism started, it was like, what is terrorism? Like, yeah. Rage Against the Machine was like a thing again. I remember Green Day you just used to sing about masturbation. Yeah. Then now suddenly they met right a freaking musical about the about George W. Bush. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I definitely cool think, musical punk and, rock band and, guys. You know this this is it's in the sixties you I had feel pro- sick protest that we music. About Green Day so much. I know. In the sixties you had protest music. In the seventies you had a lot of you know party it, music. Party, but like a lot of that. What you think about like bands like Funkadelic. Yeah, a, a lot of uh, early—I won't say early disco, but like early funk, which disco is like the pop version of funk, I guess. Um, a lot of these artists that like were doing stuff on the side that was just aggressive, like politically aggressive music, and I feel like we could be on the cusp of something like that again, um, from like an arts perspective. Sure. Okay, let's jump into an ad. We're done talking about the future. Uh, let's talk about the past. Wanted, left-handed electric guitar and amp. You think this they, was sent by Kevin Fowler. You think they want a left-handed amp? I hope so. I mean, I play a right-handed guitar even though I'm a left-handed writer. Mm-hmm. I do other things left-handed. Um, but, uh, you know, left-handed amps, I definitely use left-handed amps. That's the way to go for me. It's just so much easier um, with my dexterity to uh, get into a left-handed amp. Yeah, one of my coworkers is left-handed, and he's talking about learning bass. And well, tell um, him to try a left-handed bass amp. 
<laughs> uh, he was like, ask me for advice on bass. And I was like, dude, like, he's like, yeah, it's just hard being left-handed. I'm like, well, sit down and like, I don't know, try a right, like a right-handed bass for a while. Like you might find that it's fine. Yeah. He's like really concerned about the handedness. I'm like, but guitar is the only, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I've always heard that guitar is the, like the only instrument where, in the guitar family where people like are concerned about handedness. Yeah. It's, it's not common. Like, do they make left-handed violins? I've never thought no. about it. What about, they don't make a left-handed piano. That's true. I know people do play drums left-handed, but. Right. But I know right-handed people who play drums left-handed. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing you really have to do to quote play drums left-handed is reverse the kit. Right. Like it's not like anything's like heart like locked in that you can't modify yeah exactly you don't buy a left-handed kit you just move your kit around yeah uh so six string guitar hollow or semi-hollow body preferred fender epiphone hagstrom or others so here's a few brands or all other brands (laughs) you you decide but yeah he's making some suggestions here would not be interested in any cheap beginner guitars amp would prefer solid state combo amp 40 to 60 watts would be fine. I wonder why he prefers solid state. Like there's got to be some angle where he's like, oh, I heard solid state's better for this. Well, I think it's because uh, he's getting this for his oldest son's birthday who wants to play jazz. He wants to play jazz. And which uh, explains the hollow body part and the solid state part. Yeah, yeah, because he wants that big clean sound. So uh, the ideal amp for him is a. Uh, Oh, here's here's a fun uh, like a JC40, the new JC40 from Roland. Here's a fun fact, Steve. Uh, He would like to trade for uh, he says for some, but I think he means with some medical grade marijuana. He's a legal grower and has been growing for years and sell to main dispensaries. Has five varieties, very good quality. Also have some concentrates. Oh, shatter available. I'm assuming that's you know like the this like the dab stuff we talked about this yeah, yeah. it's the dab stuff this is, shatter is the dab stuff but this guy is a dad trying to trade with dab he's a dab dad <laughs> that's way funnier than it should be <laughs> i bet i bet you that that's a hashtag on instagram dab dad dab dad um dad dabbing so, so i got a couple i got a couple questions um one, he says he would not be interested in any cheap beginner guitars. I guess I'm trying to think of like, so is the only Fender he's really looking for the Starcaster? Yeah, I'm I trying mean, to like, figure out I what... feel like a semi-hollow Telecaster would not actually yeah, he doesn't fit want what he wants. Line. Uh, so it's got to be Starcaster. What's, what about like... What's a, the jazziest Fender guitar? The Starcaster. What about the Coronado? I guess the, I forget the Coronado. So what about the Jazz Master? This jazz Master, not good for jazz. Master. Only, jazz Master is only good for grunge. Jazz Master is the master I mean, of jazz. I mean, surf. I don't know. It's good for... Surf, surf grunge. Uh, they're good for nothing. Yeah, jazz Masters are not good for anything. They're not good for jazz. I think the, the reason people like them because they're not good. So that's your excuse. You play a Jazz Master, it's like people are like, oh, that's not going to be good. And so you, you've got nowhere to go but up. From there, I've actually I've never played a Jazzmaster. They're fun, maybe once or twice. I mean, you know, all the offsets, all the Fender offsets are challenging in unique ways, right? With those um, bridges and tremolos on there. So, so yeah, if it's hollow, I mean, maybe he would take one that's not. But um, I mean, when I think of a guitar, but I mean, Epiphone, like obviously you have the entire Dot series. Oh yeah, but then I think of like the Dot Studio as a cheap beginner guitar, like I. I guess that's I don't understand what cheap beginner guitar what that plan is. Um, Hagstrom has some some models in that range. I think the Viking is a similar. Is this Viking the semi hollow? Yeah, yeah. It's that price range. Um, like, why wouldn't you list the? Uh, well, I can think of some reasons why, but like uh, the Ibanez Artcore series seems like an obvious trade here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and maybe like the Gretsch Electromatic series, but I know the Gretsch that the jangle of like the, the Tron style pickup. I don't really think of that as like a jazz pickup per no, se. No, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. 
this kid's, you know, it sounds like he's getting started out. I don't think it matters. You just get a guitar with a, you know, humbucker in the neck and turn down the, the tone a bit, run it into your solid state amp, and you're, you're jazzing. You're there. Right. That's it. You don't have to worry about it so much. This is just, this, this ad is funny to me, though, because it's just like the exact opposite of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> of some, oh. some stoner dad trying to trade away his weed to get more uh, loud instruments, like musical instruments into the house. Like, <laughs> uh, definitely, this was definitely not my family's dynamic. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, I just thought it, it stuck out. It was kind of fun and interesting. I don't know. I'm not judging these people. I don't have anything to say. I don't have any commentary. So on this. here's the here's the thing I don't I can't process about this is I, I did a quick quick Google because I want to know. Um, Lay it uh, on me, man. I'm trying to figure out like what these ratios are. So he's basically talking about like at the cheapest, maybe like four hundred dollars of merchandise. Yeah. So it's like how how if he's looking well, to dude, do it a trade like like. Do solid state amps even come in forty to sixty watts? I always think of them sure. as even like that's like a one by twelve denominations of like five. Like you get fifteen watts, you get fifty watts, and you get a hundred watts. Those are the only wattages you get in solid state. No, I mean ten. You got some tenors out there at fifteen. I've just never heard of a forty 30, watt solid state amp. Yeah, maybe not forty too commonly, but definitely fifty and sixty. Um. It's kind of huh. 50, 60, and then it probably typically jumps up to 100. Are there like, like Fender Frontman 60s out there or something like that? Um, no, but I think the Frontman 1x12 might be ballpark. Ugh. Um, I guess they'd have the 15, the 25. Um, I'm not sure what the other... There's a 1x12. The one by twelve is either like, <clears throat> you know, actually, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure because they've discontinued the frontman line. Oh, did they really? Except for like one. Yeah, they've moved except into for like, like the lowest. They moved into like the Mustang amps. They kind um, of like sucked that up, didn't they? Yeah. So, or maybe it's all maybe it's all the Champion series yeah. again. I've been thinking that if I sell uh, that AC-15 eventually, that I should use the money and go directly into a Blues Junior. So they've got the Champion 20, the Champion 40, and the Champion 100 in the Champion Series. Um, and in the Mustang line, it's I think they're all by numbers, like Mustang yeah. 1, 2. I don't think... I'm not that interested. I don't want any more information on this, Steve. Okay, so what <laughs> I wanted to know is... Um, that I don't know is... So say 40, 60 watts. So you say for Epiphone Dot, you're looking at like $250 minimum there. For, I don't know, pick any solid state amp in that range. You're maybe looking at another $100, $150. So let's say three to $400 like... How much medical marijuana are you trading at that rate? I'm not that sick. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a little cold a while back, but I don't know how much medical marijuana I need to get better. Um, I've, so it's I've, like- I looked it up a while back because someone was trying to trade me an amount of marijuana, and I was shocked how affordable it is for how much... Uh, how much marijuana you can get like how long it lasts you so this guy is talking about you know a lot of marijuana here yeah this is like stocking up for several months no this like is like stocking up for for years no, from, i'm saying from like my this, this scenario of like four hundred dollars like if you're i think if you're smoking like every day yeah so this um, could be a big score for someone who's got the right gear and wants to just because it get blasted I mean, I'm for, seeing like some, for months at a time. I'm seeing some like older forum posts. This is more like medical, so I don't know if it's uh if it's different now, but it's like you know, at that price you're maybe looking at like an ounce to two ounces, and an ounce is like 
say like 32, 32 joints. I don't know. Somewhere man. in that ballpark, maybe 32 to 40. Hey, so what if, if you had a, a budget to buy this kind of gear, like if you were trying to get this rig, what would you get personally? Um, I would probably get like trying to get a jazz know, rig, like, like a budget starter. Oh, jazz oh rig. I was thinking like three eighths of, of this. Oh, how much, how much? <laughs> oh my gosh, Steve. I'm just kidding. No, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't mean how much, how, how much marijuana you would get, Steve. I'm asking what kind of like beginners jazz rig would you grab? So in San Jose, it's right now, uh, an ounce is $160, but it's only $100 an ounce in Elk Grove, but the quality is lower. <laughs> what site are you on? Priceofweed.com. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is saying that the average weed price in California is $248 an ounce for high quality and $200 an ounce for medium quality. All right. Anyway, that's enough of that. So let's assume, uh, let's just assume you're going to get like two to three ounces out of this deal. Sure. Uh, if you're bad at math, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> what kind of ja- like beginners jazz rig would you put together? Um, I've been as art core. Um, I think it's the 173 or 175. Is that like the deep bodied one? That's the deep bodied yeah. one. So one of those. And um, but I don't really know a lot about amps. I mean, what's my budget here? Like, if I can get an art core for around two hundred, is like we're saying four hundred. Sure, I might scrounge if I know what I'm looking for. I might scrounge around until I can find like a somebody trying to sell a polytone. Sure, you can, if you get lucky, you can score a polytone for two hundred. Um, but what I've un- always understood as being like a decent, like a serviceable jazz amp um for on a budget is actually the old fender frontman or low oh, yeah, sure. fender frontman series uh, i remember reading an article and it's always stuck with me and i i realized his music is jazz fusion but um that like if you want to do pat metheny on the on the cheap you go buy a pair of fender frontman 2x12s right so and I know the frontman two by twelves are all. You got to be able to get one of those for two hundred dollars. Oh I'm sure, guessing. sure. What what would you get, Ryan? What would I get? What Steve? would you get? I feel like I would go more in the Gretsch direction. I'd pick up an Electromatic, and then as far as the amp goes, but that's already pretty expensive. That's like four hundred dollars just for the guitar. I would get the first like free big crate amp i could find i don't think the amp matters that much in this mm. situation just get a bass amp i'm gonna put it i'm gonna put most of my energy into that guitar right you know i don't i think i if as long as i can get a solid state amp that's kind of over like 50 watts just to give me headroom on the low end i think i'm gonna be fine yeah you know what? i just pick up a, i just pick up a pv bandit again are they are they clean i don't know yeah will, will 100, 100 watts of clean power there man. you go just get a PV Bandit, dial back that trans tube technology all the way dark. You got a jazz amp. Hey, problem solved. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We solved the problem for this uh, for this stoner dad. All right, you want to hit another? We topic? spent way too much time on this. I know. Do you want to hit another topic? Yeah, let's hit it. All right. Uh, this is. Uh, I think you got the actual quote, but this is a question that I actually thought was pretty interesting. So this is from our group again. Uh, Grant Wilson posted a screen grab of someone else's post in another group. I'm assuming. So we have no idea who the original poster is. He blacked out it's the probably person's better name. that way. Yeah. So this is a uh, anonymous. Hip hop anonymous. Yeah. <clears throat> hip hop hippotamus. Um. So. He, Grant Wilson says, I've always felt the exact opposite. Maybe this guy has a line six spider. And the original post that he that he reposted says, pedals never sound as good to me in person as they do on YouTube. I have a complex about it now. Um, Brian Wampler did a great video about this. Like the realities of doing demos and why the pedal doesn't sound different at home when like it sounded a certain way in the video and stuff. Yeah. There's just so many factors involved. Yeah. 
And a lot of the bigger pedal uh, guys, um, you know, they're compressing, they're using high-end mics, they're doing all this stuff. And then, then you know, if it sounds better to you, like there's a lot, I guess there's a lot of reasons. If you think it sounds better, it might just be because you're not good. It's, I, playing comes into factor a lot. I mean, there's definitely like a lot of pedals that I listen to online and I'm like, it's like, oh man, this pedal sounds really good with pinch harmonics. I don't really know how to do those consistently. Yeah. So, so in that case, it's like, yeah, I'm never going to get like that cool. <laughs> never going to get that cool Eddie Van Halen sound well, any, because like, I'm just not, I'm yeah. just not that kind of a player. Well, anytime I'm watching a demo and some guy plays really well, I'm like, oh, sh- well shoot. I'm never going to get it to sound like that. At the same time, like I totally get what Grant's saying because there, there are a lot of pedals where it's like as good as it sounds. If you recognize that, like you're listening through computer speakers or you're listening through earpods, phone speaker. or your phone speaker or whatever, like you can only get that much of a glimpse. And there's something about like, especially if you've got room to like really like turn it up and like immerse yourself in the tone of whatever this thing is that you just invested in. Um, you know, that's, that's a whole different right. level. I mean, there's a certain level of like in the demos, if someone's doing a demo, I'm saying this as a demo person, right? You're playing for the pedal. Yeah. You get your, you get that pedal, you get it home and you play it for your song or for your music. It's, you're not playing towards that pedal. You're not playing for the, you know, the range of that pedal. You're trying to get it to fit into your square peg and maybe the pedal is a round right. peg. That, that, I mean, that's the biggest problem for me and like every drive pedal is, as it sounds good on YouTube, but when I when I get it in my hands and I throw it on my board and I pull out my guitar and I plug in, I say, ah, this doesn't really sound good with the four Green Day chords I know. <laughs> Can we please stop talking about Green Day tonight? Oh, gosh. Uh, kill me. <laughs> so, so I, I, I guess like I kind of see both sides of this because I think there, like I said, there's a mentality like when you listen to Andy from PGS or you know Jay Leonard Jay that or any of you know the guys who are like beast players. Sometimes you feel you listen to him, you're like, oh man, if I got that, like maybe I could get that tone. Not realizing like half the reason these guys have their tone is one, like you said, like Brian was talking about, like with in terms of the equipment and everything else, but it's also like these guys have spent like years developing like touch, yeah, developing like nuance, and you just don't really realize how much of that goes into um your like playing yeah like, yeah comes across they sound good because they play good yeah um that's what it comes down to um and that's why sometimes i don't sound good because <laughs> i don't play good uh, it would be interesting but it's like a lot of it, it you know there's so many factors in between in between that pedal and the final produced audio signal that's coming out of your phone while you sit and watch TV and then make comments on a YouTube video like, ah, oh, this doesn't sound good or oh, yeah. I can't wait to buy this. Like you've got someone playing a guitar that's not your guitar with a skill level that's not your skill level into, into the pedal that you're thinking about buying into an amp you don't have and probably never will have recorded with a microphone that you'll that, that picks up the signal different than your ears would that goes into a recording interface where the person like tweaks compression and EQ and, and all scoops all stuff. the mids out, scoops all the mids, trying to make it sound the way they think it's supposed to sound, and then it travels over the internet through the YouTube tubes, yeah, and where comes it gets out compressed again. Comes out the speaker in your phone that is as small as a pencil eraser that you're, or it comes out of the speakers in your car because you're using that ultra high fidelity Bluetooth connection. You know what's weird? You're using that even more ultra high fidelity FM transmitter. Okay, so uh, you know we get comments on our YouTube videos and like, ah, this sounds great, this sounds awful, this and that. And I always just assume like, oh, these people are listening on their phone the right. way I do, or who at very best they're listening 
through their like their TV. They've got YouTube on their TV. Yeah. Otherwise, they're probably on a laptop or a desktop computer that probably doesn't have great speakers. Uh-huh. But every now and then, someone leaves a comment or messages me. I was like, "Hey, I was listening to your YouTube demo in my studio through my big studio monitors, and this frequency was really like like you need to pull that frequency back." Oh my! Gosh. And when I get those comments, I'm like. You're such a, uh, here's my response. Nerd. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Which I mean, That's I'm, almost like, come on, dude, this is a YouTube video. You're not supposed to actually like have actual equipment to listen to well, this. And, and I think that's, that's kind of like an interesting point is it's, you know, ultimately YouTube demos are. I don't want to say they're for like not serious musicians because it's lots really to of show serious off. musicians. I but figure it, but that it's to show off okay. and, and it's it's to it's to put something out for the masses. And it's like if you're running, if you're listening through this on a studio, like if you've got a home studio, then I don't know. Like I feel like that you should probably have enough of like your own tone confidence right. to just be able to ballpark like this is what I want or this is what I don't want or recognize that like things that, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a legitimate complaint that they have that like, Oh, this was really peaky on my ultra neutral home monitors. Or right. Whatever. Right. But it also kind of just feels like, you know, well, you've got your own studio, man. So just go make a better video. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, it doesn't bother me too much. I just always like, ebb kind of like, entertained by that idea because right. i've never sat down and given a youtube video like i need to have the best audio quality here to hear, really hear what's going on it's always just been like casually like oh here's a release for this product here's the thing for this product and maybe that's why i make demos the way i do um <laughs> but it cracks me up to think about someone sitting there just like yeah i'm really gonna cork sniff this youtube yeah, video they've got their frequency analyzer turned on so they know exactly what uh what the peaking right right frequency was <laughs> i don't know but yeah it's you kind of have to like listen to demos and take reviews with a grain of salt to a certain extent and realize that it's gonna like the things that you're listening for uh be sure they're the things that are gonna hold up through your rig yeah like i like if i'm watching a fuzz demo the thing I'm really listening for is the like the flavor of the grit on the low strings. Right. Like if I can get that Velcro sound and they can show me in a demo that it does the Velcro sound, then I'm like, yeah, I want that fuzz. Yeah. I mean, and the other like overdrive is v- difficult to demo. I believe it. Cause it's very, it's kind of a delicate yeah, beast. It's, it's delicate, and you want to know. You know, you're trying the, to like the EQ trying flavor to translate of it. like what yeah. is unique about this. The, and, U, the EQ flavor of overdrive is very important, and if you don't communicate the correct EQ flavor, yeah, then you're doing a disservice to people. And if you're not communicating like exactly how it breaks up, you're doing a disservice. And I don't know. All right, you ready it's to tough. wrap up? You ready to do one more ad? Modulations are easy, though, and time-based oh effects. Gosh. Reverbs, delays, and modulations are easy to demo, and fuzzes are easy to demo. Oh, time-based effects are easy, so it won't be any problem when I drop another delay pedal off over here. <laughs> if I have time. You can do it in like five minutes. All right, let's bust out one more ad and then get out of here, man. All right, this is a ad sent in by the Inboxer. This is called KD Picasso. Um... I'm trying to trying to find it. It's I a very colorful way. bass guitar. Uh, I don't understand some of the shapes on it at all. All right, so KD Picasso uh, 2016 Natural Oil. Uh, this is KD Picasso KD Pica- quote Picasso five string bass model, which I made personally for the quote Holy Grail Guitar Show Berlin 2016. I spent two years making it, precisely dealing with the colors and matching all these individual wood pieces. So now I will only say, enjoy the bass. The body is an elm tree core, burl, maple, irregular shaped pieces colored in 10 different colors for top and back. The neck is a seven piece flame maple with ebony stripes, purple heart, cone core, and maple veneer lamination. I don't know what that means. Um, And then there's just a bunch of specs here that 
one of which that's kind of interesting is 24 Evo gold medium frets. I can't imagine that the frets are actually made out of gold. I hope not. Because um, gold's pretty soft. That probably means something else. So uh for has for, as, for eleven thousand dollars. For as eccentric as this thing looks and how crazy it is. Yeah. I could totally see like a pro pro level player. Like so, so I could see someone backing up like Eric Clapton with this. So this is something that I think we've touched on before, and you know, I've definitely uh hit on in in just conversation with people. This is a perfect example of of like this I, I won't say that this will sell at this price, but this will sell to somebody. There I don't think I would say that with the same amount of confidence if it was a guitar. There's this whole world of bases out there that I'm not privy to, but I understand like there's a shop like I should probably go over there sometime. The one over on Miramar. On Miramar Road that sells crazy high-end bases and only crazy high-end bases. Yeah. You basically have to make an appointment to even yeah. be well, in there. I don't know if you need an appointment, but yeah, they don't have anything in that shop that I think is priced to sell less than like $2,500. Yeah. So... An eleven grand bass guitar, I guess there's a market for it. There's guys out there buying this yeah. stuff. You know, this, I don't. This thing looks like a quilt to me. Right, like it looks like a grandma's quilt. Uh, like all the colors, it's got red, it's got green, it's got purple and yellow and blues and grays and it's well, this crazy. Is, it looks like is, confetti. Yeah, this is like I said. This is one of those things where if you show up to a guitar jam. With something like this, people would just be like, "Look at that douche over there." If you this sh- is like for that genius bassist. If you show, like- if you show up to a bass a bass jam, yeah, with something like this, I think a lot of people would be stoked about it. I mean, yeah, I would agree. Like, people would assume that you can like you you're, you've uh, got to back it up. You've got the skills. You have to be able to back uh, it up, which is you, why I could never own anything more yeah. than garbage because I suck. You have to be one of those bassists who understands theory more than anyone else on the planet. Right. And just like is in the pocket a hundred percent of the time. Right. You know, one of those brilliant bass players. Yeah. Um, I really like how these, the color, the whole like crazy color palette includes like the pickups like it's not just yeah, that the yeah. guy made like wood pickup covers i mean this thing is crazy and weird but then you can tell even from this little picture that there's an incredible amount of craftsmanship that went into this yeah. crazy bizarre looking base with weird lumps all over the body shape when i first looked at it i actually thought that it was um because you kept calling it the quilted base uh-huh um and Not because it's got quilted maple, and because I actually it thought actually it was just because looks like a quilt. Yeah, I actually thought it was because you thought it was a quilt. Um, what are what are the lumps you're talking about? Look at the butt end of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of. Uh, I feel like that's a nod to Alembic. Oh, really? Like that's a like if you think about like the Jerry Garcia guitars. Huh. I or, really actually. Um, I really like the top horn that's got that little extra like. Like deer horn, yeah, deer yeah, antler cool lump look. on it. Like I kind of like that look. That's not bad. Yeah, the that I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure that that's a nod to some kind of a an alembic deal. Here. Interesting. Check this out. Yeah, but that's different. Like these it's are def- it's different, but it's like that's that's kind of like. Yeah. Uh, like here's another another one. Like the whole that kind of button feature is like a yeah, I guess it's so. like a high end, but, but it's this a very is, this button like feature fluidy. is really weird. Like it's just a bunch of lumps. Right. It's like cloudy shapes. You know, <laughs> cloud shapes. I don't know. It's weird, man. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap the show up. I got nothing else yeah, to say to this. Uh, check thanks. our check the check the the show notes to see pictures of all these ads. Um send us songs. Yeah, uh, we're actually, after we do this song, we will be out of songs. Uh, but first, let's thank our sponsor, Sinusoid. Yep. Um, like I said, their new thing is speaker cables. But if you have any other cable needs that are guitar, XLR, I don't, bass, yeah. instrument cables, 
microphone cables. I ordered a, cables. A, a TRS cable from them for running uh, my expression pedal yeah. to my um, to some stuff on my board. So yep. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and this week's song was sent in by uh, Matthew Hole, uh, who is the owner of Renin Cuff. Oh, really? And uh, he says uh, this was kind of a funny. Funny email, actually. He says, I'll pull a Kellyanne Conway on you. And not so slyly mention that it happens to feature our gold comp bass into the White Elk on both uh, bass tracks. The track is all bass, single track, then a second bass coming in about halfway through. Uh, he used a Frankenstein bass made with various parts from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. A pickup uh, a friend gave me from his vintage 70s bass years ago. And it's got a custom set of massive heavy bass strings. 50 to 125. Whoa. So if this is a four-string bass, that's like a... I mean, that's pretty heavy. Um, the pedals go into a pre-Sonus Fire Studio direct into Logic. Um, and he was able to go straight in because the gold comp bass is a comp slash limiter and preamp. So it allows you to just go direct. Hmm. Um, so that's super cool. Uh, we've worked with Ren and Cuff before. Yeah, they make great stuff. They make some great stuff. So check them out. I mean and, the box, uh, the box of war. That's one of theirs, right? Yes. I'm not making a mistake. Good. You're not. As uh, is the super fat fuck. Yeah. the uh, The box of war is an incredible big muff. It's just in the box design and in the sound. Like it was a really fun experience having that over here when we had it a year yeah. or so back. All right. So enjoy the track, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Later, guys. <laughs>